Welcome to Photo Taco, the only show with photography tips you can learn in the time it takes to eat a taco, or perhaps a burrito. Photo Taco! Hey everybody, welcome into another episode of Photo Taco on the Improved Photography Network. Thanks for spending a few minutes of your day with me. I'm your host, Jeff Harmon. And in today's episode, I'm going to dive into the details about a product a number of listeners have asked me about over the past year. It's a product called JPEG Mini from a company called Beamer. That's B-E-A-M-R. Now, to be clear, this is not an ad. Beamer has not paid for this review. They didn't uh, give me any of their product. It was something that listeners asked me to look into. I hadn't spent any time on it. I had never looked at it, so I dove in and I have reviewed the product, and I'm going to go over it in detail in this episode. Now, so the place I want to start with is what the product aims to do, which in as brief a thing as I can think of is trying to make exporting to JPEG simple. Now, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you may remember that back in January 2016, I went into a lot of detail to explain JPEG compression. You can find that episode by going to do a Google search and putting in photo space taco space JPEG, that's J-P-E-G, JPEG, and uh, space compression. And just as a side note, you can find a lot of photo taco episodes that way. You can find help on a lot of subjects that way. On purpose, very planned, that is what the photo taco podcast is all about, trying to provide hopefully fairly timeless help. Now, some of it's going to get outdated over time. Some of it's going to change as software changes, as cameras change, and so on. But it was the intention is to try to make it so that these podcasts, this backlog of podcasts that are out there, are helpful to people so that you can get some specific help on a specific subject, and they're searchable. You can find them through Google, and that's exactly what's there. So if you search photo, space taco, space JPEG, space compression, I know that's a lot of words, but if you search for those, you'll likely find that as one of the top search results in Google, and you'll be able to go listen to a podcast where I go into it in detail. All right, back to the point. I described in that JPEG compression levels episode a lot of detail about what's going on when you save your photo in the JPEG format, and I'm not going to repeat all of it here, but we do need to have kind of just a little tiny bit about it so that we can talk about what this product, the JPEG Mini product, does. So to cover JPEG compression really, really briefly, when you ask your computer to save your photo in the JPEG format, it's doing a bunch of math with your photo so that it can save the photo in as small a file on your hard drive as you can get. A lot smaller than some other formats like, say, TIFF or PSD. There's this kind of trade-off that has to be made as you save your file. You have to choose between making the files really, really small in file size on your hard drive and losing some detail, losing, maybe sacrificing some image quality, or making the files bigger, much, much bigger, and keeping all of that detail and image quality. So there's these sliders in the software. And if you go listen to the JPEG Compression Levels podcast, uh, and that doesn't make sense to you, then you need to go listen to it. In that episode, I recommend that when exporting to JPEG from Lightroom, you set the slider, it's called quality in Lightroom, to 77%. And it's a generic value. I said every single time, set it to 77%. And that's because it's a really good balance between the file size of the JPEG file on your hard drive and the image quality or the detail that you get for most photos. Now, that's a key word there, most photos. 
it won't be the best setting for every single photo. And we're going to talk about that again in just a second. Exporting from Photoshop to JPEG has a few ways to do it and a number of settings. And I'm not going to go over those here because, of course, I've done a podcast on that back in July 2016. It's called PS JPEG Export. So again, you can go search the Google for these episodes, photo space, taco space, JPEG space exports. And you'll find that episode. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. But the point is that exporting to JPEG, it can be kind of complicated. Complicated enough, I've actually done full two full podcast episodes to cover parts of it, and I could probably do more. And this is exactly where the JPEG mini product comes in. The objective of the product is to greatly simplify the creation of JPEG exports by making it so that you don't have to think about it. The software does analysis of each unique specific photo. It looks at the photo itself and it figures out the perfect balance of compression to image quality so that the file can be as small as it possibly can on your hard drive and subsequently on your website to make your website load fast without noticeably losing detail. You can't even tell the difference between one that was exported at 100% and one that JPEG Mini has set that quality slider to internally as it analyzed the photo and figured out what the compression level should be. It made it be as small as possible. Now, as I said earlier in the JPEG compression podcast, I recommended exporting to JPEG from Lightroom with the quality slider set to 77%. It's a very generic rule, not specific to the photo you're exporting. In some cases, setting it to 77% could end up being too much compression, and you'll lose some detail or some image quality, and maybe end up with things like, uh, say, rough transitions in the gradients, or softer edges than you could have had otherwise, something like that. The impact, the overall image quality could be impacted. In other cases, 77% isn't enough compression, and you actually could have saved more space on your hard drive or made the image even just quite a bit smaller if you'd gone, say, to 60% and still ended up with exactly the same image quality. So it's it could be kind of more of a science about where you should set that quality setting, and it's extremely dependent on your photo. What is in your photo? Do you have a bunch of redundant black space, a bunch of redundant white space? Uh, is there really not that much detail in the photo? Is it intended to be stylistically more soft? Whatever the, the differences are between them, the magic sweet spot of what that quality slider should be set to is going to be unique for every single photo. And this is exactly what JPEG Mini is trying to do. Sounds pretty good, right? The world wants JPEG images, right? That's the format that everyone wants online is JPEG. And to make your website load fast, you need to have files that are the smallest that they can be, but you want them to look beautiful out on your website. So nailing this quality setting as you're exporting the compression level is kind of an important thing for many, many photographers. And this JPEG mini product aims to deliver just that. There are three options for buying the product. There's a, the JPEG mini product itself, kind of the base product, and that's $20 as I looked here in uh, October 2016. Then there is the JPEG mini pro product, 
which is $99 regular right now in October 2016 it was $99 on their website it's regularly $149 and then the third version of the product is the JPEG mini server which is $199 a month the server version is really more for like website operators where like JPEG files are going to be uploaded by the public, by people maybe who subscribe to use the service for the website. Say like a, a Zenfolio or a SmugMug or you know Facebook even could have used that JPEG mini product so that as a JPEG file got uploaded by somebody, they can run it through the JPEG mini server and shrink the file size so that it it takes less storage space on the website and it loads faster. So it's it's that's what it's intended for. That is not at all what this audience listening to this podcast is interested in. So we're just kind of ignore the JPEG server version. We don't need to talk about that one. Let's start with the $20 JPEG mini version. It's a standalone desktop application. You can run it on Mac or Windows. And it doesn't have any kind of direct plugins to any post-processing software like Lightroom or Photoshop. So as an example workflow of how you would incorporate this $20 version into your workflow as you are creating JPEG exports, you would export your JPEG from, let's use Lightroom as an example, you'd export it at 100% on the quality slider. Even though I told you in the podcast episode you should do it at 77%, that is not how you would use the JPEG mini product. You need to give JPEG Mini the full JPEG file. So you export at 100%. Just like you're doing today, you export your file out at 100% to your hard drive in the JPEG format. Then you would take that photo, the resulting export, the JPEG file that you exported, and you either drag and drop it over into the already running JPEG Mini desktop app, or you can do file open and it compresses the file down to the smallest it can be without affecting the image quality slider or the image quality at all. So it's, it figures it out. It takes in that 100% JPEG and it analyzes it. It figures out what it should be and it spits it out in a much smaller file size with no impact to image quality because it did that analysis of the image. As you save it out, you can choose to replace the original file with a much smaller version and have it save that smaller version or have it save that much smaller version to another folder on your hard drive. So you can kind of you can choose if you want to replace these massive 100% exported JPEG files or if you would rather keep that and have a minified a small version, I'm gonna call it minified. If you have a minified version of that same JPEG in a, a different folder, you could put a subfolder, uh, there's, there's the options there. You can um, still, it's not, it doesn't have any plugins. That's kind of the biggest weakness of this $20 version of the tool. And that's because it's designed, they, in, even on the website, they point it out this way. It's designed for very occasional use. It would be designed for a, a hobbyist perhaps, or somebody who does this only rarely, only when I get a keeper portfolio photo, for example, then before I uploaded it to my portfolio website that only has a handful of example photos, uh, my best of the best photos that I'm displaying to the world, then I minify it and before I stick it up there. That would be the use case. That's when someone would want this one. You can try it for free. So you can go and check out how this thing works with no cost, no risk. You go download the, the free version and they let you minify 200 photos 
before you have to pay the $20 to keep using it. And so that's a great way to go try this out, kind of see what it is I'm talking about a little bit more. You can even do some comparisons yourself. That's what I did as I was uh, preparing for this podcast. I was trying out the product. I tried it for myself. I did a whole bunch of analysis. We're going to talk about that in more detail in a second. There are a couple of other differences between the base version and that kind of middle product version I talked about, the pro version. And it has things like it can do eight times faster processing on the photos. It increases, the the pro version increases the maximum megapixels from 28 up to 60. And it has, uh, the biggest difference, it has a Lightroom Lightroom plugin and Photoshop extension. That is why a lot of pro photographers or people who will do a lot of JPEG exports, that's why they would want the pro version. Uh, on sale at $99 right now at the time of this recording, but regularly retails for $150. This enables your workflow to be just a tiny bit more seamless. Because I mentioned with the $20 version, you're exporting out of Lightroom 100%, write it to your hard drive, and then you have to like a, an extra step that you need to go do. You have to go load up that JPEG mini program, drop your file into it, and save it out again. Not a huge step, but it's an extra step, and every step kind of counts when you're when you're doing this. We're, we're, our objective in our workflow is to make it as seamless and efficient as possible, and this one would add a step, the $20 version. And the $150 version, it works differently. You can export through the plugin in Lightroom, and save it, it will do this analysis for you so instead of choosing kind of the normal path you're going to choose to export to jpeg mini and it will do this for you figure out what the compression should be and write it to your hard drive the first time with the quality slider kind of computed and figured out what it should be and so no extra step you're just right clicking export you're going to export through jpeg mini and it's going to produce the perfect setting on the quality slider to between image quality and file size. And uh, other than that, the functionality is exactly the same between that $20 version and the $150 version. So it's more of a workflow convenience thing than it is anything else, but there is it is faster and it has more megapixel, will process images with more megapixels on the pro version. So those, that, those are the differences. All right, before answering the question that I <laughs> I know a lot of you are hoping for as you hit me up to investigate this product, whether I would want to do that, I need to briefly say that the sponsor for this episode is Improved Photography Retreat. For the first time ever, many hosts from the Improved Photography Network are going to be gathering together in Phoenix, Arizona in March 2017 to teach some classes, but more importantly, get out and shoot with the retreat attendees. A little like a photography conference, but we hope it ends up being a lot more like a vacation or a retreat, which is why we're calling it a retreat. And we're really excited about it. As of this recording, there are less than 30 tickets remaining. So if it sounds like something you'd like to do, head over to improvephotographyretreat.com and sign up today. All right, now back to the question, whether the JPEG mini product is worth the investment. Am I going to plunk down my $150 for that pro version. Before I say that, I want to say that this product is extremely effective at what it is aimed to do. I have run hundreds of photos through the product and it does a spectacular job of shrinking the file sizes down without losing anything in the way of image quality. Knowing where to set that slider 
between the balance and when you're balancing compression versus image quality, it does a really, really good job at that. It wasn't just one type of photo either. I didn't just type put the same kind of photo through it and see. I tried, I threw everything I had at it. Landscapes, Milky Way, family portraits, dance portraits, all kinds of shots that I've personally shot. And some of them had significant detail throughout the photo. Others had a lot of plain white or plain black backgrounds. It handled all of them really, really well. It quickly produced images with indistinguishable quality from the original at dramatically smaller file sizes. That's what it's supposed to do, and that is what it does. Beamer, the company that produces it, should be very, very proud of the product that they've created as one that does exactly what the marketing says it does, which is kind of a hard thing in my experience. Having the product live up to the marketing is often a challenge. We'll say it that way. And this does a really, really good job of it. Okay, so the product definitely works. It does what it's supposed to do. But is it good enough to make this hobbyist photographer, as the host of this podcast, on a very limited budget, spend $150? Well, to determine that, I had to do a little deeper testing. Just seeing that it worked really, really well, it did what it's supposed to do, that wasn't going to convince me that I needed to do that. Um, what I needed to see was how the results compared to my suggested setting, my recommended generic setting of 77% quality on an export from Lightroom. That's what I do. That's what I've tested to previously in Lightroom was that 77% was kind of the sweet spot for most photos. Now, again, remember, that's most photos. It is not going to be perfect 100% of the time. It is not going to work every single time you use 77%. Sometimes that might impact the image quality. But for me, as I've tested it and as I've done it, and that's the way I export all of my photos is a 77% on the quality slider. I had to see, is it worth it? Do I get better results using this product than I do my 77% rule? So I tested this out. I exported files, the exact same set of files, photos, out of Lightroom at 100% quality and at 77% quality. Then I ran the 100% quality ones through the JPEG Mini product, and the resulting file sizes were extremely close to my 77%. They were really close. Uh, some cases, JPEG Mini was smaller, but in some cases, the 77% setting was smaller. And that makes sense because JPEG Mini is analyzing the unique folder and uniquely figuring out per photo where that slider should be. So sometimes it would have thought, nope, you can't go all the way down to 77% because you're going to lose some image quality and it would stop short of that. And sometimes it would go further. So it made sense that the file sizes wouldn't be exactly the same. They shouldn't be. And yet they were really, really close. And what I took away from that is the rule or what I said in my own testing and evaluation where I came to that 77% is a really good generic rule for using when you export photos, this really reinforced that because JPEG Mini clearly 
came really close to that most of the time too. It's the same JPEG compression, really. It's the same math that everyone does because the JPEG compression is a standard. So it's not like one algorithm, one person doing the math, one piece of software doing the math is going to be better than another piece of software doing the math. They have, they'll, they'll really kind of have to come out with the same results. They may call it different things. They may have different options. They may try to make it so that it does some analysis on save like JPEG Mini is doing to make it so that they can make some, some decisions about how the compression algorithm should be used. But it's really the same algorithm. They don't really have a, a, a choice in changing that algorithm, or at least the way the file is written to the hard drive. With that said, I did this experiment and I couldn't really tell a difference between the two photos. Between the one I did at 77% and the one that I did at 100. And when I say one, I did this a lot. I did this across hundreds of photos. Um, and I couldn't tell the difference. Unlike any of them, really, I couldn't tell the difference between which is which. I had to do a really good job of labeling the photos as I exported them to keep track so that I could make sure that I knew which was which. It was that close. And I went in really detailed and I took a look at them and I couldn't tell the difference. Now, I didn't want it to just be my kind of subjective looking at the photos because I sort of have a bias. I wanted the 77% to work, right? I didn't want to have to pay $150 for a product. And Beamer, I could they could have sold me on this through this testing. And I, I want to spend that $150 somewhere else. I didn't want to have to spend it on the software. I knew I had that bias. So I knew I need to take it out to a broader audience. And this is why I've been asking for help from the Photo Taco Army. I asked Improved Photography Podcast to help me put it out on social media asking for people to come and help me take a look at these images. And I picked 14 images. They were fairly different styles of images. I knew I couldn't have people go through hundreds of them. That wasn't practical. But I hoped that people would be able to willing to spend a few minutes of their time going through 14 photos where I had an A version and a B version. And the A version sometimes was the JPEG mini version and sometimes was the 77% version straight out of Lightroom and vice versa with the B version. So it wasn't the same consistent throughout. And I decided that I needed to get some more eyeballs on this. So I put them out on my website. I put the full version out of my website. That way I could make sure we didn't have any like additional compression taking place as you upload it to other websites. Like I couldn't put it on Facebook. That wouldn't work. Facebook would massacre both photos and it wouldn't be a fair competition at all. So I put the raw, not raw, I put the original files that resulted from the JPEG exports out onto my website where there's no compression that's being added to it on my website and allowed people to download the full resolution files so that they could compare them in as much detail as they wanted to. Then I, I presented or gave, I shared a Google Doc that was a Google form, I should say, where you got to vote. Is A, does A, version A of the image file have better quality, better overall image quality than version B? Which one has the better overall quality, A or B? Or do they both look the same? So each one had that those three options, A, B, or they look the same. And I didn't get as many people as I had hoped to help me out. It ended up with 82 people that took a look at this. And uh, so I hoped that I had more. That's not enough to make it kind of a scientific study or anything. 
But uh, enough that it's, you know, 82 more people than me that were able to look at the results and kind of share with me what it was, how they felt about it. So of the 14 photos, the Lightroom version of the file was chosen over the JPEG mini version of the file, six out of the 14 photos. So a little less than half completely fooled people into thinking that the J the Lightroom version, the one at 77%, actually produced better image quality than the one that came out of JPEG Mini. And with those four of the six from Lightroom, you know, they, they actually kind of won in the term of file size, meaning that the 77%, so six of them fooled people into thinking the, the Lightroom export was was a better, higher quality image. And of those six, four of them were just a slightly bit smaller than the JPEG mini size. So it lost on both fronts. The image quality people value evaluated to be better than JPEG mini, and it actually had a slightly uh, smaller file size, which you'd kind of think would be opposite. Okay, if the, J if the version of the file was going to be uh, higher image quality, then the file size of the file would probably be bigger than what JPEG Mini produced. And in four of the six, I mean, it was super, super, we're talking a tiny bit of difference here. They're, they're not very different. But there were still some where the people said, not only did the version out of Lightroom look better to them slightly. None of this was extreme. This is all haggling over hairs here. <laughs> None of this was extreme by any stretch. But people thought, oh, that one's just a slight bit better on image quality. And it was even smaller on file size. Um, so finally, even after all of that was done, even after that analysis, that was it was so close. It's really, and it's not scientific enough to, to draw any major conclusions out of it. Um, the other, the last thing I did is I ran it through an actual, more formal kind of analysis. I, I used layer differencing in in Photoshop that shows it, it's a way to show the differences at a pixel level between two photos, and it turns black where there's no difference, and kind of a more it, it non-black where there is a difference, and there just wasn't very much. So it's kind of a, a tiny bit more on the scientific scale. Uh, analysis, I'll say, to uh, to looking at this. And there just wasn't a huge amount of difference, a huge amount of uh, between the JPEG mini files that were compressed and the Lightroom files that were compressed. But that was the information that I needed to make my personal decision about what I'm going to do. And that decision is, yeah, I'm not going to be investing $150 in the JPEG mini pro product. And that's just because I'd rather spend that 150 somewhere else. It's not because the product doesn't work, because it does a beautiful job of making this absolutely uh, seamless and uh, easy to j export your JPEGs at a beautiful compression level so that you don't have an impact to image quality. And I just, for me, on my hobbyist budget, I have other needs. It, it'll be on my list, actually, of something that I will buy Eventually, I'm sure I will get it at some point. And as $99, that becomes even more compelling than $150. So if you're if you're there, if you're thinking, ah, I'd really like to have this thing, it will help me with as I upload my photos to my portfolio site or as I deliver to clients or whatever use case you might have for it. And at $99 on sale right now, you may as well go buy it. Go take advantage of that. 
but I won't be spending the $150 on the pro version because I can get very, very close results by exporting from Lightroom at 77%. And I certainly won't be investing in the $20 version because without the plugin in Lightroom and the uh, extension in Photoshop, that doesn't make sense for me either. The imp impacting my workflow to add a tool, I just, I can't see myself doing that, uh, adding that to, to my workflow. But before closing up the episode, it seems to me like there's one more question to answer left on the JPEG Mini product. And that's if there's any use case where I would recommend the product. And I sort of did that already, but just, I wanna be perfectly clear on this. Just because I don't think it's a fit for me and makes sense for me to invest in, doesn't mean that that's the case for everyone, right? I mean, that only makes sense. I think there is a case where it does make sense. Across the thousands of photos that I've exported from Lightroom and JPEG over the years, I've seen my generic 77% quality setting produce really good results, most of the time, remember I, I said that over a couple of times in the podcast, most of the time it produces really good results, but it doesn't do it every single time. I tried so hard to go find one of the photos because I have had this happen. I've had it where I set it at 77% and then I kind of looked at the resulting file. I think it was even, I got it all the way out to my website before I really looked at it close and I went, ooh, that didn't go well. That does not look good. <laughs> There's a bunch of compression artifacts in that photo. And I had to go back into Lightroom and, and bump that slider up a little bit. I think I went to 80 and tried it again. And I was like, oh, okay, that works. I've had that happen a couple of times. Not a lot, but a few times. And that's the use case where I think it would make sense for a photographer. If you don't ever want to have to worry about that, if you don't ever want to meet the case, see the case where you uploaded the file somewhere and then you notice, ooh, that did not look good. 77% was too much compression on this one. If you don't want to deal with that, go buy this product. This product will make it so that you won't hit that. At least as far as I can tell with all of the photos that I put through it in the last two weeks, yeah, it, it does a fantastic job of guessing, or not guessing, of analyzing the photo and figuring out where it should, what the compression level should be. So if you don't want to have to think about it, and that is worth 150 bucks to you, or right now $99, go buy the product. I think you will be extremely happy with where it ends up. It just is not something that I personally am going to do. I'm willing to trade time for money I've talked about that in previous episodes. As a hobbyist, that's a choice I have to make frequently. Am I going to spend more money and then not have to invest as much time in whatever in something? Or am I going I have more time than money on photography budgets and so I'm going to trade my time. So I'm going to trade that I may sometimes end up with an image that is lower image quality at 77% and uh, in exchange for the money I'd have to spend on this product. And maybe someday I will buy the product, but for now, uh, it's just not gonna fit into my photography workflow. But I do think that use case, if you don't wanna have to think about it, if you don't wanna have to worry about it, and you've got the $150 to spend on it, right now $100, go buy the product. And I, I'm really, really confident you're going to like the product and it's going to work for you the way that um, that they claim because I've tested it and I agree, it does a really, really good job of this. All right, that's it for this episode. Don't forget to check out the other podcasts on the Improved Photography Network, Portrait Sessions, Tripod, Improved Photography, 
Also take some time to head over to the mothership, improvephotography.com for news, gear, and other photo tip articles. It is the best way to improve your photography. Views expressed on this program by independent host guests and callers do not necessarily reflect their views of Improved Photography LLC or its advertisers. Some links mentioned on this program are affiliate links where a commission is earned. Olay!